Hello and welcome to this episode of the coaching podcast from British Canoeing. So uh, welcome to the, the latest edition of the British Canoeing Coaching Podcast. My name's uh, Sid Sinfield and I'm a performance coach developer for British Canoeing. Uh, today I'm joined by Ed Christian. He's a, uh, Ed is a lecturer, a researcher and a coach um, at Chichester University. Um, he's also, so basically what I'm going to ask Ed to do uh, first of all, thanks for joining us, Ed. But can we start with a little bit about who are you? <laughs> so, what is it you do? <laughs> what do you coach? Uh, what do you research? You know, what, why are you here? I suppose let's start with that. Yeah. So yeah. So as you said, uh, Sid, I'm a I'm a senior lecturer at the University of Chichester. Um, I work on a variety of programs there, um, mainly stuff to do with teaching skill acquisition, uh, sport and exercise psychology. Um, to uh, to outdoor ed students and to PE students, sports sports coaching students, and so forth. Um, my main area of research at the minute has been for a couple of years now is really um, about uh, about adventure sports coaching as a as a subset uh, of of coaching, as a sub sub discipline of coaching, and the nuances and, and particularities uh, of adventure sports coaching. And actually, we find that really interesting because the the, the deeper we dive into that, the more we kind of uh, thinking and theorising that you know, venture sports coaching is a very unique entity uh, in its own right. So, so that's kind of getting most of my time at the moment. Okay, cool, cool. So, uh, we're, we're uh, you've you've agreed to come on today um, and to talk theories. Um, you know, to <laughs> to tell us, you know, you learn itself all about theories. Um, I suppose the first question I've got is um, why. So, so why do I need to know about theories? You know, I'm a coach. <laughs> I go out on the water. I want to get people better at paddling. You know, that's that's what motivates me to be out there. So, so why do I need to know uh, about the theories? Where, where does that come in? Well, that's an, that's an excellent question, isn't it? And and I think that the word the word theories has got sort of certain th theory has got a sort of certain connotation, doesn't it? With kind of uh, old school days and uh, chemistry and biology and, uh, and so on and so forth. But if we if we think about theory and theorizing. Um, as a process of kind of answering and asking and answering questions, uh, then it starts to make a bit more sense to us as coaches. So that's the way I think of, of theories in a coaching context. This is about asking and answering questions, identifying problems, trying to come up with solutions, testing hypotheses. Um, was this working? Was that not working? And so uh, and so on and so forth. So, so coaches are sort of naturally theorists, um, I, I think. You know, we're always asking ourselves, what's working, what isn't working, more importantly, why did that work or why didn't that work or it last, it, it worked last week but but not this week, so why is that? So yeah, so th theory and theorising for me is a, is a thinking uh, process uh, and not something we should shy away from, actually it's something we should, should embrace because, because we know that thinking uh, and sort of what we would call high levels of cognitive effort um, are, are good for learning and, and so on and so forth, you know. So I suppose that. that I guess that, the other thing. Go on, carry on. I, I, just said that I, I think that the other thing is is that, that theories, different theories, give us different frameworks to coach from, different platforms to coach from, um, and, and in that respect, I know we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but in that respect, theories are really uh, closely aligned to philosophies, um, and, and I'll say we'll pick up on that later. But if we, if for example, we take uh, um, you know, uh, one of the really popular uh, theories uh, of the sort of uh, information processing theory, the kind of sort of cognitive approach to learning there, 
that focuses very much on uh, on memory, right? And and the acquisition of memory and, and storing memory and information about how to do things, rolling and surfing a wave, whatever it might be, and storing that as memory for later use, you know. And that obviously requires uh, memory requires sort of repetition and uh, um, high levels of coach um, input, demonstration, feedback, so on and so forth. So in that respect, different theories give us different platforms which are associated with different coaching behaviours that we can tune into. So for me, that's why theory is kind of important to us as coaches. Okay. It's, I, I find it quite interesting because I'm, I'm, um, I'm a bit torn. As you know, I, I do like a bit of theory and I do like a bit of research <laughs> and, uh, and I do like a bit of study. But I, I'm, I'm I mostly like it because I like to pull holes in it because <laughs> as, yeah. as, as a coach who's been out on the water quite a lot with lots of different groups, I kind of I really enjoy challenging theories to go, well, that's OK, but I'm not sure I completely buy into that. So so uh, so what I'm going to play a bit today is a devil's advocate to some extent, <laughs> is, uh, because because I think for me to, to really test the theory i i really want to pull it apart and go well okay that's might be a bit of an assumption there or or, or not and i'm assuming that uh, that you're going to be big enough to be able to answer some of my questions because 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 <laughs> with a few of the theories i'm sure we'll touch on i i kind of go that's great in theory i'm not sure i agree with that in practice do you know what i mean and and i think yeah. that's possibly the the really important role we have as coaches to to take on board these theories is to is to pick them apart and maybe help the academics to go. You might want to think again about that bit, because, <laughs> because, yeah. or you need to explain this to me because it doesn't make any sense. So, to, so, should we have a have a little have a little go go on that? I suppose. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I totally agree with the, everything you just said. I, I think that's yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. So the other bit I was going to say at the beginning as well is I think to grow as a coach you really have to think about what you're doing, don't you? And as you said, it's a different lens to think about what you're doing. And, and you might look through that lens and go, yeah, actually, this is something I can learn from that. Or you might look through that lens and go, yeah, no, I'm not 100% keen on that. But that's fair enough. I think that the, the good thing about I think is they are theories and they can be amended or enhanced, you know, so. But I think I think that's the that's the really important point there is is that what is, is exactly what you just said. So in, in order to be critical of a theory, you have to think about it. All right. And, and, and that exactly, as you just said, I think that's the, that's the underpinning process is that ideally what we want to work towards is, is coaches that are thinking uh, and, they're, and they're asking those questions constantly is this effective is this working if not what can I do differently and I guess the opposite of that is a coach that doesn't do that right uh, I go, I go, you know we're, we're reading from the script we're doing the same things sort on of day in day out because it's you know, you know what, I, what I know or whatever um, and, I, and I think that probably the, the first one of those the former of those this kind of thinking um, uh, problem-solving coaches what we're all working towards i guess okay so so you've agreed to talk on on one of the theories or, or to, for, to to illuminate a little bit of one of the the theories i suppose that's that i mean i've been around a long time right <laughs> and in the last i'd say maybe five six years this this theory's become much more prevalent you know i've heard more and more increasingly about constraints theory constraints-led coaching a kind of whereas Previously, it was that wasn't the, the main thing that I was presented with in terms of uh, in terms of a theoretical stance, you know, uh, and I suppose um, you're going <coughs> to help us as the coach on the water. We'll turn this talk into what actually does it mean? So if we, we take constraints theory 
apart a little bit, really. And if you could help us to understand it from the coach's perspective. So what is it? What do I really need to know about it as a coach, really? Yeah, OK, OK. It's, it's, it's really interesting what you just said um, about it becoming more prevalent in the last sort of five, ten years, which is a bit odd, really, because it's, it's been around for a, a good long time. You know, really, uh, the first sort of people uh, um, we, we talk about ecological approaches in a little bit, but it, it, people started really messing around with this in the 60s and 70s. Um, and so it has, it has taken a long time to emerge. But uh, so what, what is it? I think it, really in order to understand what constraints is, you, you have to almost start because it, it is a bit different. Um, it's not um, it's not got lots of boxes and lines and all this sort of stuff. It is a bit of a different different approach. And I think that people kind of struggle with that. Um, so sometimes, you know, in order to, to focus on what something is, it's, it's, you know, we have to look at what it isn't. Right. So, so what constraints isn't um, is uh, uh, if, we, if we think about the evolution of ideas of, of how humans learn movement, you know, we'd start back in the day, Pavlov's dogs, Skinner's pigeons with the behaviorists, right? So uh, people learn to behave through conditioning, stimulus response pairing, so on and so forth. And then cognitivists come along in the 50s, when we're after the Second World War, where we're messing around with computers and, uh, you know, start to think that humans learn movement skills in the same ways that we, we that we program a computer, right? So we the brain is the computer, the central processing unit, whatever, and we program it, uh, you know, uh, uh, it, it, to do particular things. You know, cog cognitive is literally cogs moving around in the brain, so it's a very brain-based approach, right? So we, so again, as I said a minute ago, we kind of we think about drilling uh, skills and drills. We think about repetition, verbal instruction, that sort of business, and so on and so forth. So, just, but then I say, okay, before you actually then go on a bit, a little bit further. So, so just. Because we get in the in the lotus incarnation of the coach course, you know, we get behaviorism and we get constructivism there. So, so just just before we go on to the the constraints particular bit. So, in the behaviorist, for, for again, if I'm a coach on the wall, what we're looking at there is rewards and sanctions. You know, if I yes. see a behavior I want, I reward that. That's good. Well done. Keep doing that. Yeah. If I don't, I even give it a sanction because oh no, you don't want to do that try something else so there's very much as the coach i'm in charge of the learning of that person i'm telling them whether that's yeah. right or wrong you know because and if we because i need to do that to give you the reward or the sanction yeah in the construct in the cognitivists one where they're making this thinking they're doing that i'm not so in control of that am i so so because i know we're going to go on to constraints where the the learner's in charge a bit more but how do how do I'm kind of trying to need to get my head a little bit around in that constructivist view. What what's the role of the coach in that type of training? Yeah. That of okay. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. So um, so with 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 the, with, the, with the brain, you know, with, if we focus on the brain and we say that the brain is the most important thing, and the cogs that go around in the brain are the most important, thing, then we're taking this kind of cognitive approach, right? And you know, in it, to carry that analogy on, we would say, well computers work on the basis of memory I, I upload a program into the computer's memory i'm not a, i'm not an it person by the way i don't know if you noticed that but i but i i upload a program into the computers and it stores it in its memory right um, and and and, and, it, and actually the analogy is the same for how we learn so um i, I as a coach i'm going to literally upload or download the upload i suppose wouldn't it? i upload information about a skill 
all right so let's take a skill let's take um i don't know you know uh, um, uh let's keep it simple racing. okay no, so keep it simple paddling because because that, that one we can all get ahead of paddling, yeah we, we can all we can all let that so so i i want to um i want to i want to upload full paddling as a skill into my learner's brain so the way that i would do that then is 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 by repetition so memory is formed through repetition right so we lay down memory traces by and we store things in long-term memory through a process of, of repetition we do them over and over and over again they're stored then and then we can we can take them out of long-term memory when we want to put them into practice so in that respect if i get if i repeat if i make the task very clear and explicit and i get them to do practice i get learners to do practices that, that repeat the same things over and over again um, and I and I give and I give lots of information about the correctness or the incorrectness of the skill, right? So if I basically if I give lots and lots of feedback, don't you know, don't do this, do this, don't do that, don't do this. This is good. This is bad. Then then what we what we get is is the, this memory formation. And people think about motor programs, right, or schemas, <clears throat> um, and 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 that's basically how we store that information. So after practicing for a period of time we'll have our forward paddling schema or motor program we'll have our um you know low brace uh, schema we'll have our um uh, bottom turn schema or whatever it is and, and they exist in our long-term memory and then we put it out so in that respect from that cognitive approach the role of the coach as you said is this kind of almost like this memory provider do you know what i mean We're almost like a computer program i want to i want to program that person to 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 be able to do that skill okay so so okay so then so how does this differ then for the constraints one so that's because i interjected them when you were just about to launch into the constraints bit so how does that <laughs> yeah. what, what's different yeah, that's cool. yeah okay so um okay so so i think probably the, 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 with constraint constraints is a funny word and the the word that when I explain this to students, the word that I use is is, the, is ecological psychology. Okay? okay, so so in the sixties, but really gaining traction in the eighties and nineties, particularly with a guy called Carl Newell, we 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 develop it. So the so the ecological psychologists say, right, we recognise that the brain is important. Okay, we we see that it's of course it is. We can't do it from that brain. It controls everything that we do, but we reckon it's not as important as the environment. Right, our ecology. Okay. So, so an ecological system is just, you know, it's, it's the environment in which we exist, isn't it? Right. So, so they're saying we don't think that the the, the, the cognitive aspect is as, as important as the ecological aspect. So then we're starting to go, well, okay, um, that emphasizes the role of how we as individuals or paddlers, how we interact with our environment. What does the environment let us do? What does it not let us do? and then and how do we recognize those things so in that respect um we we kind of tune in to our environment what it lets us do so this this bit of water is moving fast this bit of water is moving slow this gives me the opportunity to rest so we so we recognize the features in our environment we become tuned into them and that's literally the term that they use attunement to affordances but as i say that's kind of like tuning into a radio frequency if we actually do that sort of thing anymore so i tune into my environment you know to get that kind of to get that right so in that respect there's a lot less emphasis on what's happening in the brain and information going into the brain and a lot more emphasis on how we interact with the environment around us and, and for me as a as a as a paddle sport coach that's got massive 
intuitive appeal, right? Because I want to, you know, very often we'll get paddlers on the water and just give them activities to do where they can just tune in to where they are, right? How does it feel? What's the effect of the water on the boat? What's the wind doing? How's that affecting? You know, can I feel it on my face? How's that affecting my, um, you know, who, 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 who's around me? in my in my environment it's not just the physical environment this is the kind of social cultural environment is it so have i got people around me that make me feel good or have i got people around me that make me feel motivated or whatever so so the ecologic ecological psychologists really focused on how the organism interacts with its environment and that's that's the main difference between the cognitive and the, and the ecological approach can i can i put you one of my questions here because this is uh, this is um as, as a coach on the ground, you know, for, for many years, for many years, I've I've had the power of, of guided discovery coaching. I've seen it for real, you know, and I've uh, helped people to to discover um, how to ferry glide more appropriately, more accurately, uh, which for me has a lot of appeal with a constraints led style of coaching, because what I'm doing there is putting them into the environment uh, and I'm asking I'm setting some sort of parameter for them you know in in terms of i'm guiding their discovery i want you to to cross from one side to the other but not go higher or lower than this area yeah you might find a bit more success if you look for the back of the boat for steering so i'm giving them some guidance on, on that as a coaching style and then i'm asking them questions on what they've learned and they're theorizing and cognizing about what they've done and in the old days we just called that guided discovery right so uh, and in the old days, we would say, you know, we have a, we introduced a foundation technique. This is a paddle forward and this is where you steer your boat. And now take those skills and put them in that bit of flow over there. And uh, here's a few parameters for you to experiment within. I, I suppose that for me is a coaching tool. That's not me theorizing about how they're learning. I, I would you and I suppose I've always had a bit of a dilemma between constraints led coaching where you're thinking about them learning from the whole environment and how that's very different from some of the old practices that I was doing that were just effective. And I suppose um, in those days I was using a, you know, a cognitive, associative, autonomous kind of model <clears> of <throat> how people would learn by manipulating stuff. Now, was I doing constraints-led coaching there? It was just called, at the time, guided discovery. <laughs> is, is it... <laughs> Is constraints, a, 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 I suppose, a more accurate description of what I was doing, or or is it different? Is there fun, fundamentally a difference between what we might have grown up as guided discovery and now what we are, are, are told from constraints-led coaching? I suppose. I don't mean there's not a hospital class, is it? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, where do we? Where go from that one? So. Um, so were you so i think the main thing i took out of that was were you were you using um constraints based approaches no so i think that to that is yes um okay um, so so i was doing that but it wasn't called that when i was doing it i suppose is that is that the reality because i wasn't trained to do that i was trained to to look at guided discovery as a useful mechanism to help people develop skill and it was underpinned yeah. by that um cognitive i would say a more cognitive approach to the way people learn is that if they own the learning they're more likely to remember it you know so i suppose for me as the coach on the ground um, i go well actually 
have we just relabeled what we were doing before uh, or, or is it a, a more accurate description of what we were doing before i suppose that's a conundrum that i'm always wrestling with 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 constraints uh, as a theory of learning as opposed mm. to a coaching tool which my understanding of guided discovery was you know and that there's other coaching styles that i might use that aren't constraints you know that uh, i might just use direct instruction because it, it works but the retention's not high does that make some sense and so i was always led to believe i had these different coaching tools that worked um according to maybe retention i might use one over over another you know i've got my one-off um taster session doesn't really matter too much how much they retain yeah. this as long as they're fun so i'm not gonna i'm just gonna tell them how to paddle do that do that do that there you go and um and they seem to learn how to paddle so i kind of go so this is where I'm trying to untangle all of these things as, as the coach on the water. Where does this all tie together? You know, am I just, yeah. is, is it the same thing? Is it different? Uh, I suppose there, there, there's your first mess to untangle for me. <laughs> okay. So um, I think, we're, yeah. So I think what we're, what we're doing there is we're, we're making associations between um, sort of teaching styles in a kind of like a classic sort of Mostert and Ashworth, you know, yeah. Like you said, your direct instruction, uh, you know, i.e., very coach-led approaches, and then you're at the other end of the spectrum. There, your kind of guided discovery um, sections. So, so, uh, so, which is a much more learner-led, athlete, paddler-centered approach, right? And I think very often what we want to do is we want to be able to neatly say this theory sits with that approach, and this theory sits with this approach or that approach. But I don't think I don't think necessarily it, it, it kind of works in in that way. Um, so I think um, I don't think there's a, there is a complete direct nice neat box that we can we can put each each one of those in. Um, so I think you know it's really nice that you're picking up on things like um, guided discovery. So if we if if we're using a guided discovery um, approach there, you're you're really going for a kind of uh, athlete centered or paddler uh, centered approach. That's going to involve lots of um, involvement from them, right? Uh, lots of lots of kind of uh, much more emphasis on what they're doing, and 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 for me that chimes much more with a constraints-based approach. And no, it, I, I, the other point is, it, it, it's it's not new. And I think that very often in the things that I teach, what we're doing is we're just putting names to stuff that you already do, right? So for me, I think of constraints as games with aims. That's that's the that's the the, the 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 real nuts and bolts analogy. I think you know it's coming up with with games and activities, different ways to constrain the uh, the, the the person themselves, the task that we give them, or the environment to lead to some new kind of emergent behaviour, if you like. So it's a, it's a, it's a really what I would think of constraints is a really um, a, a, an approach that's very much based around the, the learner trying to solve problems, right? Yeah. So, and then the, the, the role for, for us as coaches is to set those problems, good quality problems, good quality movement problems, right? So it might say, so, and, and, that, and that changes our role, right? That changes our role completely because then what we've got to do is we've got to devise, I've got to, one, I've got to establish what the needs of my learner are, 
right? What needs, wants, we balance that out and we go, right, what, what's the thing that I'm going to do with them today? And then we're going to package it. Well, how am I going to deliver that to them, right? So um, if we say then, um, I don't know, uh, uh, this, you know, the classic ferry gliding, right? So we want to focus on boat control. Uh, we want to focus on efficiency and, and, and stroke efficiency and that sort of stuff. So we're getting people with the classic one we've all been using for years and years and years. Can we ferry glide across from one side of the river to the other side of the river, but reduce the number of paddle strokes that we're doing, right? So if, if, if I just set that person then has got to think about how to solve it, right? So what we're doing then is, is we're constraining them. What we do is keep put, keep putting the paddle in the water, okay? So the, the thing you can't do is is, is paddle, paddle, paddle to get across. So then we so we're, we we're constraining that thing, and that stops them from doing that. Thing. But it, it asks them to find a solution to that problem because we put that constraint on. It asks them to find a solution to that problem in another way. So then they've got to go right. Well, well, I, I, I could play around with the angle of the bow. I could play around with the, you know speed. Um, where I launch from, uh, trim and, and, and weight transfer and all that sort of business. But the, the overriding emphasis is it puts the ball in their court, right? So it, it's a well-constructed, good quality problem. We set up our safety and we, you know, we do all of our obviously relevant bits and bobs, but then we let our learners try and solve that movement problem. And I really like that phrase. We, we, we're encouraging them to develop solutions to movement problems, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and and if they can if they can figure it out, brilliant. And I and I think that you know, um, I think intuitively we know, and I think that well, I don't think I, I know that all of the research would support. If people really think a problem through and they solve it, that tends to stick much more. If they come up with a solution, that tends to stick much more with them in terms of retention and transfer. I suppose, uh, and I'll, I've always, I've always had a healthy scepticism when it comes to constraints because it has a lot of intuitive appeal to me. But equally, from being out on the water as a coach, there's a couple of things. Sometimes people just want me to tell them, right? They, they go, look, I'm an adult. I'm in my fifties. I've only got this weekend. Enough yeah. of this problem-solving stuff. You know what you're talking about. Tell me what to do. And, and is that right? Okay. And then the other, the other classic one you get is. They're, they're so new to it, they wouldn't even know where to look. So I can leave them to explore and they just go, this guy has got no idea what he's doing. So I, I, I have to give them some sort of scaffolding to start their learning process. Now, in the old days, and again, I'll, I'll, I'll use the, the old one, I would have gone, well, I can see they're in this cognitive phase of learning. I can see them thinking. They're trying desperately to solve the problem and it's clunky and, and it's messy because... They can't quite solve that bit. And then I give them a few clues of where they might find the answer. And they go, oh, brilliant. Or even I go, just do that. And they go, oh, brilliant. And then they start to make the links between, well, I do that, that happens. And I, all oh, right. And then in the old days, we'd say they were associating those movement patterns. And they went from a cognitive phase to an associative phase until eventually they had done lots of practice. So they went to, I can do this same thinking. And now I can talk to you about it. And then I could probably go to them here's a question to answer and make them go mm. back a few steps to do that, you see. And I suppose the bit I, 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 I struggle, not struggle, the bit of constraints that I find the most challenging for me as the coach on the water is those two examples of, yeah, if I want to be learner-centered, that's fine. This learner wants the answer. 
right? That seems to have a com conflict with, for me, with a constraints level where I go, I'm going to set you a problem to solve. And they go, no, no, I want you to tell me the problem because I want you to solve it for me. That's what I'm paying you for. Or I can't solve the problem because I don't have enough I don't have enough information to solve the problem, you know? And so how far down yeah. do I support them before I actually am just telling them? Because in the reality, I'm scaffolding it so much. Just do that and then watch. You'll get some success. You'll feel good about yourself. And then you might enjoy the day's paddling. And then, you know, are you with me? You see where I'm coming from with those those kind of problems, not problems, issues, I suppose, that, that, that constraints presents to me as the coach on the water. Yeah, to totally. I mean, uh, yeah, and, it, and, and it's this classic, it's the classic analogy, said, isn't it, of, you know, having, having, a, having a coaching toolbox uh, that we develop over, over our, through our coach education that we can delve into to pick out an appropriate tool to, 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 to do an appropriate job or to, to, to um, you know, to coach within a given day, right? So, so, the, so the most articulate and, and good quality coaches will be able to go, right, this is the tool I need for this job. And, and I'm going to I'm going to deliberately select that tool for that job, right? Mm -hmm. So as you say, 100%. You know, and, and we're both on the same page here that that all good coaching starts with establishing the needs of the learner. What, what do they need? Now, if that person, if that if if you've got a day with them and they're going on some charity expedition down the Norwegian fjords, and actually what they desperately need to do is learn how to roll or I don't know whatever it might be. For, so yeah, you've got you've got three or four hours in the swimming pool to teach them to rock. You're probably not going to use a massive kind of problem solving, um, you know, constraints based approach. You you, you might do. Um, you should, so you're probably going to shift again to a more cognitive based approach. I'm going to kind of upload as, as much information as I possibly can uh, into this person's brain to try and help them to form the memory of how because of the because of the constraint because of the constraint that we have on that of time we don't have that and, and the, other th the other thing i would say there which is which is really really good um really interesting that you picked up on is that yeah again we're going back to the needs of the learner and uh, people some learners don't want this do they i think there is and i think there's some really famous examples i think Jen jess ellis um was was, a, was you know initially had big problems with tony minichello about you know I, I didn't pay you to ask me questions <laughs> I, I pay you to get me faster and stronger and fitter. You know, I, I I'm paying you to take me down the Fairy Glen or, or or teach me out a cartwheel. So yeah, I, I don't want to do the thing. And 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 that's that's fine. So I mean, you know, it's different strokes for different folks. And and you know, again, this this is this is a tool. Uh, I think in a toolbox rather than a um a dogmatic I'm, I'm only ever going to use this this is what i do and this is how i coach but i think possibly the other thing i would say very quickly there though as well is um and i would never accuse you of doing this is that what you said is um the the uh, i've set them a problem and they've got no um idea about how to solve it they would say then, then we've set the wrong problem yeah, um, yeah. And, 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 and and you know we need to go back to the drawing board and have a think about that. Well, actually, that's 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 not necessarily the right task for that person on that day. So I suppose um, so it does come down to the quality, as you said before, the quality of the problem you've solved. But also, um, I think sometimes people misinterpret the practicalities of constraints to say you can give them information. <laughs> you are allowed. Oh, yeah. to say, you are allowed to say you know what you'll get much more success steering if you use the back of the boat. And rather than yeah. trying to push the front of the boat, you know, that's that there's nothing wrong with that. And I think sometimes there's a the misinterpretation of constraints is I can't interject too much. I have to let them know. And we know the frustration of discovery based learning. If you actually haven't got a clue 
you actually want your fishing in the dark, just give me, just, you know, and, and we can guide them along that process. And I suppose that's possibly um, where the, when I've been speaking to coaches, you know, out on the water, they go, yeah, that's, but sometimes I just want to tell them because it works and you go great because you've got to manage their psychology and, and keep them enjoying what they're doing. Yeah. And, and then they'll go with your problem later down the line. Um, I suppose yeah. the, the message I sometimes hear though from, and, and there are some evangelical uh, ecological, you know, uh, people <laughs> who, who say this is the way to learn. And you kind of go, well, the way to learn is the way that's effective for the learner. That's the way to learn. Yeah. And, and yeah. there isn't a unified theory of learning, <laughs> I don't think. Mm. And so, so we are allowed as coaches to pick and choose. I think uh, this is where I think we can opt out and let the academics argue about whether there is one theoretical stance of learning or other. But as a coach, we can go, yeah, whatever. <laughs> That's all well and good. Yeah. That works. That works. I'm going to glue them together. And I, and I can put my own um, kind of framework on what I think is good and works, you know, rather than... I, 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 I think what I, would, what I would say, though, if I could be uh, so rude, is, 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 and I 100% absolutely, totally, totally agree uh, with what you're saying. And uh, yeah, and, and, and the thing is, if you're working with multiple people and some, some of those plates are spinning and they're solving problems nicely and other people aren't, then I actually that presents another conundrum because I've got to use different approaches with, with, with different people. Then I've got to give that person to me different or get in with a little bit of direct instruction or, or, or whatever it might be uh, in order to, to, keep, to keep them um, uh, to keep them ticking over. Um, so yeah, so I, 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 yeah, I agree with what you're saying. I don't think that we need to be drawn into thinking that this is some kind of dogmatic uh, approach. But what, but what I do see, which I think is a little bit funky from time to time, is people saying or people thinking they're using a kind of, kind of really ecological constraints-based, um, you know, very athlete learner-centered approach, and they set out to do that, and then at the first at the drop of the hat, they're in, you know, hands-on. And, and, and actually, especially when coaches are being watched when they're being observed, is that they, they have this feeling that actually I need to do something. I don't like because I'm a coach and I need to I need to show my coachiness and, 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 yeah. and do something. When actually, um, and this is something that, that that our mutual good friend Matt Berry sort of is, is, is that power of, of of really holding holding back. You know, just just give it a little bit more time to just see what can. Uh, what, what what they can come up with, maybe just tweak things slightly, um, and that was really useful for me, uh, I think. So no, I think that that's I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Yeah, I suppose um, uh, just uh, before we move on from this point, I suppose for me again, as the as the the semi-academic looking in on on academic academics arguing amongst themselves, I sometimes see them what I would say dancing on the head of a pin over. A slight rewording, and they'll say so. For instance, deliberate practice as opposed to varied practice. You know, and and you know, in terms of Ericsson's deliberate practice, he's like the antichrist to some to, to some of these ecological people. So you know, you've got affordances, you create the learning, and you think, well, no, I can create deliberate practice that is very varied. You know, and I can do that as a coach. I can actually have you know different strengths of water. That's all part for me as a coach. Deliberate practice. You know, with 
doing it in different spots and and i'm i'm orchestrating that for them and so i could in one say go i've got a lot of sympathy with that you know if you put in lots of hours and and you think about how you practice it you'll get better at it you know i haven't i don't have to word it in such a way that it it, it comes across as this um affordances and 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 yes an action coupling which sometimes confuses people a little bit about well where do i sit on, on all this and and you think well if it's the quality of the of the problem you've sold is number one if you've asked the right questions and so set the right problem that's number one but also different people will need different amounts of scaffolding or, or support to help them start to learn and once they start learning then you can you can guide them along a way that's likely to be more successful which is really goes back to my point about guided discovery you know like i can't just guide somebody to discover something if they haven't got the foundations of of how to physically move a boat it's very frustrating for people and and that and that, that really relates to another um you just dropped, dropped my memory there that relates to another point that i was that i was thinking a minute ago is that you know it, what, what are we learning for you know what are we practicing for what are we training for are we are we training are we training to perform um are we training to uh to to transfer are we training to become coach independent are we training so what so what what's the learning for right um, and, and, and then that, that helps us to to, uh, to to navigate, you know, with our coaching compass to get to navigate through that mindfulness. Is that what, what, what's the, you know, um, what, what my, my coach them just to very quickly acquire um, a base level of skill because that gives a high level of motivation. Brilliant. Well, in that case, let's let's jump on some real direct instruction. Do this, do that. If we're if we're if we're coaching for people. Who want to? Who are at an intermediate level and they want to go off on their own and start to expect? Then those are the sorts of people that probably would benefit from having a kind of more problem-solving mindset themselves, and and then that might be associated with a coaching style where we're encouraging them to uh, to so 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 constraints might come more into its own with that sort of learner. Um, so yeah, I think that's a, that's a really key point as well as establishing what the needs and the wants of the learner are. It's about going well, well what are they learning for what's the outcome of this learning and then how can i match an approach to that and i think i mean we've, we've blurred quite a lot of my questions together in this conversation there but i think we're we're kind of drawing into we're drawing into the bit that i suppose uh, it, it comes to towards the last question really was that fundamentally that, that what you've said there is it's about uh, what the learner wants from the learning which is going to be different for each learner. So some might want a fast track because they're not going to get paddling forever. They're just going to paddle down the uh, canal to raise some money for or do their Duke of Edinburgh award. Yeah. And that's it. They're never, never getting a boat again. So their motivation may be in a particular way. And, and that might dictate why they're participating in the coaching in the first place. And then there's the um, and then there's the coach. Why am I coaching? So why do I coach? What, what do I want to achieve for my coaching and and is it about as you've said do i have my own personal philosophy of how i think people you know learn or or and do i coach because i want to make people better people do i coach because i want to make people olympic champion you know so so my motivation uh, is also an important factor um uh, as to because because coaching is between two people isn't it or possibly a few more sometimes as well so so i've got to kind of think a little bit about juggling all of those balls and thinking can i get them can i get them aligned really um so i suppose if i turn that into a into a question <laughs> so so how would you see how would you see 
the coaching philosophy relating to constraints because we've kind of said you don't always have to do constraints you, you might need to match it to the learner and the needs of the learner but so how, how would how would you see constraints fitting in with you know a coach's philosophy and their approach to to, to teaching well that, that's a that's a really good question and um, and it's 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 just great from my opinion that, that, that people are talking so much more about coaching philosophy when you go back um you know 10 years or whatever i mean yeah there was a, there was a, there was a bit, bit but i mean 20 years ago we weren't talking about coaching philosophies where you know it, was, it just wasn't there so it's really fantastic that um that that, that, that we're, we're really moving into a, a time now where everybody recognizes that you know good quality coaching is underpinned by by well articulated and but by a well thought through and well um well established philosophy and and and, and the, the, the sort of first step of getting towards a philosophy is to go well philosophies are, are, are based around um what are my values and beliefs are all right so then i have to explore my values and beliefs um and you know i, I value I, I value autonomy i value um uh, independence you know so it, i might have values and beliefs on a kind of life domain level where i value equality and inclusion and and, and you know blah blah, blah. Uh, but then i have co uh, beliefs and values at a kind of coaching domain level which might actually be the same i value inclusion i value equality um and 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 that actually we start to base our behaviors on 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 those beliefs if i believe that um uh, all people are equal and we should treat people with with, with, with equal respect no matter uh, shape color size creed whatever it might be then then my, then that's going to be reflected in my in my coaching um but if we start to ask ourselves some pointy questions about what we you know what what do we actually think so if i've studied a bit a little i've read a little uh, bit about or watched some youtubes or read some magazine articles about um learning styles teaching spectrums uh, constraints approaches uh, you know whatever it might be so so how much do i connect with those things what do i what do i what do i take from those what do i believe is, is, are good aspects of those and what answer and then we can sort of start to form them up i think and i think that the thing that you, you you mentioned a minute ago is really really super important is that our philosophy is very much a, a, a aligned with the context within which we work so if my if my goal is to put an athlete on a podium um my philosophy is probably going to be extremely different um than if i work as i do with with, with recreational um uh, paddlers that are probably at a, an intermediate stage that's that's 99 percent of the coaching that i do so that so so in in my coaching and, and a bit of coaching education stuff but in in, in my world um that's that's the sort of thing that i'm doing i'm working with intermediate paddlers in recreation disciplines um and that kind of is that helps me that aligns me a little bit with going well actually you know i really think that i really believe that if you put someone in a in in the in the right situation and you give them the right place the right kit and you ask them the right questions i believe that people can solve problems and figure things out and i also believe that if people figure out stuff for themselves then 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 uh, then that really sticks and it transfers and it retains and and so on and so forth so so because i believe and i value those those particular things that that really it, that sort of um uh put in the put in the learn but you know, putting the learner at the heart of the experience using using that kind of real um uh, learner-centered approach which which constraints is 
is is is, a, is really well connected to that and i can go well that approach sits really well with my philosophy and i embrace that with my philosophy because yeah i believe in the source in it in the in the things that it espouses and actually it fits with the context within within which i work uh, really really well so yeah and different and different theories do that i think in, in kind of different ways don't they you know so if we are if we're in a high performance um context we we you know which is about uh, success and marginal gains and, and, and so on and so forth it might be that we that we're using more of a kind of conditioning approach you know we're using positive and negative reinforcement to to to, to draw out things we want to see yeah i, I suppose the the, the bit I'd, I'd kind of uh, i'd interject a little bit there on um on the way i wrap up philosophy and context as well is that it, you, if you're if you find yourself in a context that really challenges your philosophy then you stop enjoying the coaching that you're doing so for instance yeah. if if for me it's about smiling and i want people to really enjoy their day on the water um that might carry through but only one person can win in that competition so so do i how do i um take a positive for my day out coaching uh if at the end of the day they didn't win because they won't feel as happy as if they had. Mm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But yeah, yeah, yeah. there are ways of me framing uh, success, but, but, but fundamentally that might not be the, uh, the environment I'm attracted to. But equally, um, um, you know, uh, it might well be that that competitive element is really, I want to help somebody win. That's really what I want to do. And I'm just going to be just yeah. as disappointed as they are when they don't. But that will just fuel the fire for us to get better and, and to look at ways to uh, enhance their performance to really find that extra little bit that's going to find those you know fractions a second that means it, it is a gold medal rather than a you know a, a fourth place you know so so a lot of that really comes back to your thinking going back to our point there about really having a considered philosophy of why do you coach and why do you coach the way you do i think those are the two key questions for me to ask yourself as a coach it is if you if you can't answer those questions then then you're probably just um, repeating a pattern <laughs> of, of uh, well, yeah. I go along and coach on a Tuesday because because I always do. Um, and you may be, yeah. you might not be as effective and efficient as you could be because just just being able to answer those two questions would, would really help you, um, help you review the coaching you've done to say, did I achieve what I set out to do? You know, that, yeah. that yeah. makes some sense. And I think that's, that's that's right as well. And, and just you know, just a little thought on that. I just as you were talking there about high performance, you just got me thinking. You know, we 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 do need an element of flexibility in our in our approaches. And I think the, the classic of toolbox analogy is the right one to use here. We've got to, we've got to select the right tool for the job and so on and so forth. But we have to be philosoph you know flexible with our uh, philosophy as well because we never know what we're going to encounter, right? So I mean, even working at a kind of recreational end, we can still find ourselves in. You know high pressure testy situations in terms of, of of rescues and kind of safety aspects and so on and so forth so having a, a sort of mindset and a philosophy that actually uh, is is flexible enough to go actually um i've got all all all, all six of my boats are upside down and and uh, and it started to rain and there's a big rock over there and all that sort of stuff is it, you know, i'm, I'm going to need to use a very different approach very quickly here and, yeah, I think it's having that flexibility of thinking, I think, as well, that's, that's super, super important. And, 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 and I, I would never um, espouse that we would, we, we would 
base all of our coaching on one um, uh, particular theoretical approach, rather that it's just good stuff to do to to embrace different ideas, talk them through, and as you do, take them apart, nuts and bolts. What's this going to do for me? Um, uh, uh, but uh, but to to give things the time of the day and to try and understand. So lots of so just a just, just I think that's the that's the kind of rich tapestry of our coaching. Yeah. So we're just going to draw draw together just I suppose what I've what I've heard and what I've what I've, what we've discussed really. So fundamentally, then we're going to start um, our coaching from understanding maybe ourselves and then understanding the people we're going to coach as well. So we we think those those are quite important concepts. And then when it comes to constraints itself, um, it's a option that we can utilise. Uh, and if we asked the right questions and set the right problems, we could use that with a whole wide range of learners, but we're not going to constrain ourselves to only use that technique because it, re it relies a little bit on whether the learner wants to engage in that particular process. Um, does that seem a reasonable kind of summation of where we're at? Um, and then I suppose the other bit I'd say... That was very, very, very... Yeah, yeah, the other thing... Oh, yeah, that sounds great, yeah. The other bit I was going to take from it, really, I suppose, is is that um, uh, th there are other approaches, and as a coach on the water, fortunately, I don't have to be <laughs> handcuffed by using only one. I can use the one that works and the one that's most effective for my learner, and I suppose that's the bit I always like to keep a, a sceptical open mind. I can take what I want, uh, use it. If it works, brilliant. If it doesn't, I can just blame the academics that they got it wrong. <laughs> that's the way i like to do it is that is that good totally agree totally so, agree with that yeah any other points you want to in closing or should we uh are you happy to uh to to, to represent um, no 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 i no i, I again I, I think you've summed up there nice nicely i just think this is about um um open minds exploration and i think as we sort of started the conversation with really at the start there the most important you know, aspect that underpins everything that we talk about for me is, and even where you're, where you're being critical of, of, of different theories and different approaches and different things, what you're doing is you're thinking, and, and, it, and it's that, it, it's that, it's thinking about things, it's analysing, it's why is this happening, why is that good, what does this give me, what is it, what does this give me as a coach, what doesn't it give me as a coach, and I think if the, the minute that we stop doing that, then we stop learning, and that's where we, we, we stagnate, isn't it, and that's, that, that's, that's bad news for all, you know. I suppose I, 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 so that healthy, healthy, inquisitive mind. Is that, is yeah, and I suppose the, the other job that, um, that 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 you that yourself and and myself have got really is helping to turn the uh, academic jargon into bankside talk because I think that's a real block for some coaches on their learning is they just think what's all these very big long words? What does it actually mean? And so so I'd like to thank you for today for helping us to kind of to unpick some of that jargon and. Um, uh, and um, I suppose if anybody's got any questions, they're always able to find me via the British Canoeing website. I'm always happy to answer questions. And I'm sure if they Googled Ed, they, they, you'd find you out there somewhere and you'd, you'd answer some questions. Uh, well. <laughs> I, don't know what, I don't know what you'd find. <laughs> <laughs> well, so thanks for that. Thanks for that, Ed. I'm 